Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza, and on this episode of the Your Life, Your Term show, we have Fabio Campanella from Campanella McDonald. These guys are two buddies that got together and started their own accounting practice, but it's more than that because they cover investments, financial analysis, estate planning, and it's why we wanted to talk to them. They're one of the few guys who kind of marry taxes with estate planning in a way that we we don't often see. So we dove into the equity markets with Fabio. We talked about estate planning, as I mentioned. We get into some of what he's seeing around small business planning. And before we jump into that, oh, actually, I should mention that some of the estate planning was specifically using examples for real estate investors. So we do cover some of that. But before we get into that, we have a bit of a meandering conversation of how he just got into taxes and his backstory a little bit. So you're going to have to bear with us and entertain myself for a little bit as I get to know Fab even a little bit more than I had and he's taught classes here for Rockstar members um, just an all-around good guy and wait to hear some of his backstory I think it's uh, it's pretty cool so he is from Campanella McDonald they are located of Burlington Ontario they serve clients all across the Toronto area and I think you'll get a few uh, good piece of information from it, from this chat and if you are listening to this and you want more real estate investing information even during these crazy economic times, you can visit rockstarinnercircle.com. So that's www.rockstarinnercircle.com. I have to admit, I'm shocked at how many new Rockstar members we've welcomed on in the last two months. If you want to check out our membership where we host not only classes, and we're still doing the classes, we happen to be doing them virtually at this time, but we're doing classes and, and you get information from us in our monthly newsletter all about the economy and what we're seeing here in the GTA. We publish that information as, along with an audio exclusively for Rockstar members every month and access to a coach here at Rockstar that will answer all your real estate investing questions and then help you on the streets with your real estate investment decisions. You can learn all about that stuff at rockstarinnercircle.com. So that's www.rockstarinnercircle.com. We'll leave it at that for now. Let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. Fabio Campanella, you are live. Am I saying your name properly? You're saying it perfectly. Does anyone say your name and not think you're Italian? Uh, Brazilians. You kind of look Brazilian. Yeah. Brazilians. Can so you play soccer? Uh, not really, no. Beach volleyball? No. I can watch oh. beach volleyball, especially women. <laughs> so you no problem. Yeah. So you can watch beach volleyball, but you have no, no beach volleyball skills. Yeah. No. Okay. I don't really have many athletic skills no? anymore. No. I used to be all right, but not anymore. Why do I feel like I know? Didn't you work with Mike Desormo for a while? Did. I yeah, did. a long time ago. Bartending, bar yeah. back, yeah. that kind of Holy stuff. smokes. Back yeah. in the good old days. But then now I read your profile. Sorry, we are going to get into things here. Yeah. But yeah. We are, I read your profile and you have more. I think I have it up. You have more. What What are all these certifications? I don't even know what all these mean. I think I made you, them up. No, I don't yeah, think you they're did. They're made up. What are you? I thought in my mind you're an accountant, but then I, I read all these things. You got to tell me. No, for real. Okay. Are so you, let, let's start with the the... I guess there's the, they force us to call ourselves CPAs now. Because what was it before? Chartered Accountant, CA. It was a CA. Wasn't it like a CMA or something? There were CMAs. 
that's uh, more of like an internal uh, accountant, like for, let's say, manufacturing companies, cost accountants, okay, things like got that. got it, got it. Um, then there was something called CGA, like a certified general accountant, I which could have been anything. I remember that. CA was kind of like the gold standard for public accounting, right? What most people think of as accountants, auditors, you know, auditing public companies or people doing advanced tax, that kind of stuff. And then they just said, forget it, it's CPA. Well, then what happened was really, um, you know, these things, for example. The, the, I like how you're smiling as you describe it. You're basically <laughs> making fun of the industry that you're in with your facial expressions. But go yeah, on, well, explain uh, it. Explain I'm it. not allowed to actually make fun of them, right? It's part of the, oh, the God, rules yeah, of conduct. Business, okay? business ethics. I know, I but realistically, what happened was um, it started to confuse the public, right? So exactly what, what you're going through here, we have, um, okay, but there's the CMA, there's a CGA, there's there's ABC. Okay, <laughs> Let's, let's eliminate it all. Let's merge them together and create the CPA. And the CPA is the acronym for, um, in Canada, Charter Professional Accountant, whereas in the States, it's Certified Public Accountant. But everybody just says CPA. Got it. So the CA said, hey, look, let's get rid of the competition and merge everybody together, make everybody a CPA. Now we have one accounting designation for all of Canada, and it has the same acronym as the U.S., Got it. Okay. okay. So you're one of those people who like went to school for like a commerce degree, I guess, and nope. specialize in accounting. Nope. No, I got uh, a philosophy degree. I thought you were going to say I bribed my way. <laughs> <laughs> no. You got a philosophy degree. Yeah. So I, it's a, it's a long story if you want to hear it. Right. Are but you the I, international man of mystery that I didn't know? Perhaps. No, I'm just, uh, I was just lazy in high school. So philosophy degree. Yeah. From where? From York. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I I went to York as because you were going to be student. a stoic. I have no idea. No, really, realistically, I was uh, probably going to go to law school because my okay, mom my I mom's a lawyer. a lawyer. Yeah, my okay. mom's a lawyer. Got it. Um, so I got a philosophy degree, and then uh, took a little bit of time off, moved to Italy for fun for a bit. Did you? Yeah, just where for in a Italy? Bit. In uh, Teramo, in uh, near Pescara, in the middle, in oh. the middle. Family? No, just went for how long? I don't know, like almost a year. What do you mean? I don't know. Yeah, I was there. I, <laughs> I don't know. Then I traveled around Were you a drunk little bit for a year, <laughs> kind of. Yeah. No, really, realistically, I, at the time I was, um, I, uh, I was competitive in, uh, in like grappling jujitsu, right? Were you? And then I wanted to make a switch to kickboxing. So there was really good kickboxing in Europe. So I went to uh, Italy because I had a bunch of friends living there, and uh, there was actually a really good kickboxing gym there. So I started training there and then I was um, trying to sign up for some some amateur fights and then some pro fights. I was having trouble with the medicals. I was having trouble getting um, getting a, a visa, an athletic visa. So then I said, you know what, I'm just going to screw around. Just taught a little bit of English, uh, traveled Italy. Nice. Yeah. Wine festivals? Yeah, let's call them wine festivals. I don't know. That's what I called them when I went through Italy. I remember. I was to, 23 I, years I old, right? Uh, <laughs> I just remember paying five bucks and drinking all the yeah. wine you wanted. I mean, yeah, it, it was a, it was an experience. I just I wanted to live somewhere else, right? And then I came back and I said, okay, well, what the hell am I going to do with the philosophy? Wait, wait a second. You were competitive in jujitsu. Mm-hmm. Well, when did you start jujitsu? Wow, man, Brazilian jujitsu. Yeah, back in the day, like when I was this around. This would be back when it's not really. Pro- so you watch UFC one, you got inspired, and you went into it. Yeah. So about when I was 19 years old, I started, uh, I started that really Yeah, 19 or 20 years old around there. Are you still doing it? No, I, 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 I value my limbs. Really? Yeah. And I, I haven't, you, I haven't you, done you it in can, a while. You, you can kick Nick's ass basically. Oh, uh, listen, I've seen Nick lift. I don't know if I can. Oh. 
I'm forty. No, I'm, for, I'm almost forty-three no, years old now, cool. man. I, I, I can't. I can't that. kick anyone's ass. So you went to Italy for a little while. Yeah. We don't know how long, but apparently yeah. about a year. Almost a year. Then you came back, and then you had your philosophy degree already. Yeah, I had my philosophy degree already, and I said, okay, well, what am I going to do? So I started studying for the LSAT, and I was doing all right. I was like getting the grades that I wanted to get into. On the LSAT, like on the practice exams. Remind me what the LSAT is again. Is that it's a law school admission test? Oh, that's it's like a standardized test to get into law school. I remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, as I was doing that, I was also, you know, my dad said, "Hey, come and work for me part time. I need a little bit of help uh, on the accounting side." So I started doing some taxes. I started doing some uh, accounting work for him, and I was like, "Hey, this isn't this is actually not too bad, right?" Really. Um, well, because his clients were cool, I'm right? Joking, yeah. I'm joking. <laughs> and and he, I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it, man. Credits yeah. and debits are still a mystery to me. Yeah. And then and that's when my mom, um, who's a lawyer, she pulled me aside and said, "Hey, listen, I know you're looking at law school and so on and so forth, but um, I don't think it's for you. Uh, law, I don't. I think you're going to love law school, but you're going to hate the practice of law." And I said, I, well, "What does this lady know?" She's only my mother, She's just right? my mom. <laughs> and uh, that's when a, um, a family friend who's also a lawyer and a tax lawyer at that, and he pulled me aside. He said, hey, listen, I think that, um, to be honest with you, and this was independent. I don't know if they, you know. Colluded. Colluded together, but uh, it, this was independent. And he pulled me aside. He said, hey, listen, Fab, I really think uh, accounting would be better for you. And I said, really, why? And he goes, same thing. He said, you're going to love law school. Like, it's intellectually challenging, so on and so forth, but it's a very much a grind, the legal profession. Mm-hmm. And he said, there's also the fact that, um, you know, accounting, you know, you get your clientele base and then it repeats and it repeats and it repeats. And then you have your father who, who can teach you this as well, who he has a, a, his own practice, so on and so forth. So I started looking into it and I said, well, you know what? If I become a lawyer, I'm pretty much, and whether this is correct or not, I'm pretty much committing myself to becoming a lawyer. And that's what I'm going to be doing for the next 40 whatever years, right? But if I become a CA at the time, it was CA, not CPA, I said, there's quite a few options. I can get into finance. I can get into accounting. I can get into tax. I can get into, you know, bankruptcy and, and restructuring. There's, there's so many options. So I said, okay, I'm the type of person that likes to do a little bit of everything. Why don't I get into this? So that, that's how I got into it. So I went back to school. And it was perfect because I didn't have to take a graduate degree. I just, you know, I went back to York University where I was. And at the time I said, hey, I don't want to get a commerce degree. I just want to get the, I already have a degree. I just want to get the courses that I need to get into the program. So they said, yeah, no problem. You can take whatever course you want as an elective. Just keep your, keep your philosophy degree open. So I took all the courses as electives. Hmm. And that's it. Yeah. And then after you graduate, you have to write that exam that everybody freaks out over to get yeah, the yeah. account what's that thing called yeah so they call it the C fee now okay uh, at the time it was called the U fee takes a lot of studying don't you get like three shots at it or something like that something yeah without getting into the details it's it's a 3 day exam right on day 1 i believe i think the the format is the same now but day 1 should be about a 5 hour uh, paper that you're writing so you come in you get a case uh, a, a comprehensive business case primarily focused on finance accounting and taxation right you write that you put together your your uh, submission. Day two and three, there's smaller cases, and then maybe it's like four hours a day, right? So it's pretty intense. But you know, I, I liken it more to um, uh, practicing for a sport more so than writing an exam. Got it? Because passing that thing is very subjective. It's not black and white. Well, I wouldn't say it's subjective. It, there there are criteria that are pretty well established. And it's more about 
not memorizing um, formulas or anything like that. It's about a process, okay? And the way I, I, um, I look at it is, you know, you go to the doctor and they diagnose you by asking you questions. And, you know, if you know anything about medicine, they're not going to ask you leading questions. It's a process that they're supposed to, they're mm-hmm. supposed not to Not some follow. of the doctors I've had, but sure. Yeah. I, got I mean, you, you get I got what you. I'm saying, yeah, right? They're not I, supposed I to say, hey, does your back hurt? Is it right here that it hurts? Yeah. And then they lead you, you know, and then yeah, I got to tell you about the time I was told about that I had diabetes in a second. Oh, fantastic. I'm going to tell you about this in a second, but keep going. Okay. Keep going. Take a note there. Cause I want to hear about this. Um, yeah. So the, the, it's really about a process, right? So they want you to think like a professional. They want you to incorporate all the things that you've learned academically, right? And the things that you learn in, in work, right? And take that all together and look at this case and say, okay, there's all this white noise, all right? And you're looking at this massive comprehensive business case and you've got five hours to read, read the case, process the data and make some conclusions. Mm-hmm. That sounds actually pretty fun. It's pretty good, right? But what are you really going to get done in five hours? Mm-hmm. Nothing. They want you to look through it all and say, this is noise, this is noise, this is noise. What are the material problems that you're supposed to find? These are the material problems. These are, these are the case facts. This is my conclusion based on the case facts. That's the process that they want to see. Cool. Whether you're getting the answer correct or not, I don't think that factors in too much. Mm-hmm. They're just it's, trying to do. They're trying to figure out your thinking, your context, your exactly, framework. Exactly, and it's a professional exam, right? So mm-hmm. it's a little bit different than an academic, um, an academic exam, right? Got it's it. a professional exam. Got it. Sounds a little harder than becoming a realtor. Well, you see, this I'm is joking. the thing. Yeah, <laughs> I'm joking. Actually, a realtor now, I think, is a... Yeah, someone it's correct hard. me. Now it's yeah. like a two-year Humber program or Sheridan, it should, I think it's As Humber. it should be. Before, as when it I took be. it, it yeah. was open book exams. I remember the second... No, the second or third one, I forget. I didn't study at all. I think it was the law one. And it was open book. And I can process information pretty quickly. So yep. I'm like, I'm not even going to study for this thing. Yep. It was two hours. I walked in with the textbook. I barely passed. Because I literally did not study right, at all. Right, so right. I just read the question ripped through the textbook, figured yeah. out the answers and wrote them out. And I, I just squeaked by, but I didn't even really, I didn't study at all. I don't know if yeah. you're supposed to admit this or not, but I didn't study yeah. at all. I remember then going for one of the courses you have to take within the first two years. Cause you're called an apprentice right, the right, first right. two years. And I think on that exam, uh, the, the course I had to take within the first two years, I forgot to take it. And I was going to lose my my license, oh so my I had to God. scramble to take it in the last week. And I think it was commercial real estate, and it was just the whole thing was just shambles. But I made I made my way through it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> listen. The funny part is, I think I knew more about actual real estate in the real world by that point, with the experience that Nick and I had, and and then already helping people. Than those exams, the exams were just like the barrier to entry. If that makes any sense, right? And, and that's the thing with the profession that you're in, right? The barrier to entry is not high so a lot of people will try to get in right but the true barrier to entry is actually doing the job and doing the job well right because you can sniff out an inexperienced realtor pretty quickly totally yeah after you have a little bit of time right you totally can yeah you, i also remember when i first got in i remember some lady just ripped me she's, she's like if you, you know i've been doing this for 24 years and just kind of ripped me on my negotiation yeah, yeah. or whatever i realized afterwards someone can tell you they they've been in the business for 24 years mm-hmm. but if they've only done one deal a year 
Yeah. In six or seven months, Nick and I had more experience than people who might have been in the industry 24 years, right? And I was giving them all this authority. And about a year or two in, Nick and I realized, hold on, wait a second here. We actually have more actual experience than people who've been in the industry for like two decades. Anyway, we're we're off track. Yeah. But okay, so you got, you passed these then. Yes. You become a CA, now a CPA or whatever. And then you just keep going with all these other designations? Yeah, so I do my rounds. I work. Um, I worked at Grant Thornton. I worked at PricewaterhouseCoopers. I worked on a huge variety of different clientele and, and a bunch of different departments. So I kind of got lucky, right? I got to work in tax. I got to work in audit. I got to work with public companies, I not-for-profits. One of my clients was like the Catholic cemeteries of Toronto. Like it was crazy. So I got to work on everything. And uh, which for my personality was great. I like to do a little bit of everything. Then I said, okay, well, uh, you know, I really don't want to be working in these big accounting firms anymore. And I'm not really ready to start my own firm or I still want to learn something new. So I went to this startup. Uh, It was a hedge fund administration company. Um, They were based out of the Caymans, but they had a satellite office in Toronto. So I was working there. Uh, It was a fantastic experience. Um, Essentially, they put me in this position where I was essentially the controller or I, I essentially had, um, you know, carte blanche to run the back and middle office of a fund of hedge funds. You know, in the grand scheme of things, it was about a $2 billion hedge fund, which sounds big for Canada, but internationally that's nothing. Right. But it was a crazy fund because it had a portfolio of close to 500 underlying investments, underlying hedge funds. So I was seeing the entire, hedge fund industry operating, you know, I got to like roll, you know, millions of dollars of forwards to hedge, uh, different, you know, maybe 16 different currencies. And it was just crazy. And it was all during the financial crisis of 2008, 2009. So I saw everything, the whole capitulation of the market, all the over leveraging, all the hidden money that was rerouted to like Bernie Madoff. And it, it was insane, such a great learning experience. And then, um, that's when I decided, okay, well, you know, it's time to stop relying on other people and I want to rely on myself. All right. And I just quit and I went off on my own. And that's when I started getting other designations. Right. So I got my, um, retail investment advisor license. I got my CFP, which is certified financial planner. I got uh, a charter and investment manager license or, or designation. I got, uh, the LQP, which is the life insurance, um, license. Right. That, that was the one I was surprised. I'm like, this guy has life insurance, some kind of life insurance. Yeah. As well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's pr- that's primarily for like tax planning, life insurance. Yeah. for tax Okay. Planning. Got it. Which is I wonder what I wanted, to, what we want to talk about right now in a second. Yeah. But so yeah. you go through all this stuff, you get all these things. Yeah. And then is that when you bumped into JP? So I bumped into JP, um, during my like PWC days. So it's a funny story because I bumped into JP. So uh, for those of you who don't know, J- JP is the, John Paul McDonald. Sorry, John Paul McDonald. Yeah, I don't even yeah. know if he likes that. Right. <laughs> he's the uh, he's the uh, the skinny guy in in the duo duo. Right. <laughs> um, he uh, he was working um, he was working downtown as an accountant at uh, a firm called Rich Rothstein. So it's like an independent firm. Uh, but he was also working uh, in the nightclub industry as well. Uh, and, uh, so he was kind of like this doorman type guy, uh, 
running. Wasn't he like the VIP host? He was like the VIP, VIP host for like. I remember those right? areas. Yeah. I remember going to the clubs. I was like right as I was getting out of the club yeah, scene. Yeah, the yeah. whole idea of the VIP yeah, section exactly. was just coming out. You know, right. and you had to know, you had to kind of get into the club, but then, yeah. but, so you already had to know somebody if it was popular, yeah. but then to get into the cool kids area, you had to know the exactly. VIP host. And yeah. there was always a guy like JP, yeah. like, Hey man, I'm going to let you yeah. in or I'm not going to let you in. So JP was the guy, he was the gatekeeper to the VIP at uh, this club called This Is London, which was at the time was like, that probably, was, that was a popular yeah, place. It was a super popular yeah, yeah. nightclub. Um, probably like, you know, in terms of what people are spending that at that time was probably the highest spend rate per capita in Toronto. So he, he, um, he had a position of power, let's say. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm sure he didn't go, that didn't go to his head at all. Not at all. No, 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 no. And, um, you know, me being, you know, uh, uh, you know, a 20, whatever, something year old, you know, Bay street guy, whatever, working downtown, like I, I show up all the time. Right. And so I became friends with him there because he was like, oh, you're an accountant. You're oh, so that's accountant. where you guys met. That's where we met, right? Oh, that's where we met shit. through the nightclub industry, right? And then we, it was crazy because then we ran a little promotion for people in, on Bay Street to get them. And so we started doing a little bit of business on that side. Um, but when I quit, that's when I called up John Paul and I said, okay, well, you know, when I quit um, being a hedge fund, hedge fund controller, I said, okay, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a net out here. I'm not going to just do one thing. I'm going to do two. I'm going to do um, investment advisory, financial planning, and I'm going to do uh, accounting because I have the background in both. So why not try both, right? Uh, and that's when I contacted John Paul and I said, hey, John Paul, like, you know, do you want to start an accounting firm? And the reason that I contacted John Paul is, A, I knew his work ethic, super good. B, I knew that he had a lot of experience with small companies coming from a small firm, whereas I was working on like, you know, Bell Globe Media and like, yeah, got it. Yeah. So you guys complement each other. Exactly, exactly, right? Uh, and he's like, yeah, let's do this. And that's when we started the whole thing. That's how we started our particular accounting firm. Yeah, awesome, yeah. man. Good. And that yeah. was when, so when did you start? Uh, 2010. Oh, it's been that long yeah. already. Yeah, this is our 10th year. Because I remember we were dragging you in here to teach classes to yeah, Rockstar yeah. members. Hey, yeah, yeah. And that you was great. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That remember. really helped us out, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, okay. So now then you're, you have your own practice. Now I want to talk about the estate planning stuff, or we can talk about what you're doing in the, with some of your clients in the equity market. Sure. Because I look at the equity markets now with just yeah. this suspicion. Yeah. Cause I'm like, oh, I don't know. I think revenues across the board on it. Don't even tell me about any dividend paying company right now. Cause I yeah. don't know what's going gonna... to get the money for the dividend. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I guess utilities. I'm trying to think what we paid for. We continued paying for our internet. So I guess all internet service providers, if you're good. Yeah. They're going to get their money. Think about it. We all want our Netflix. So yeah. you're even shaking your head on that. I thought I was giving you the best one because I was bypassing the banks even. I'm like, forget the banks. Yeah. I mean, uh, you, what we're looking at, uh, you know, let, let's take a look at the equity markets, right? You know, and the equity markets pale in comparison to, let's say, the bond market. Sure. Right. But, you know, that Which I market, like looking up the bond market specifically, although I'm no so expert at all on the bond market, yeah. but I feel like the bond market still is telling me something about the economy. So, for example, I'm sure, you know, in the UK, the bond market, I think it's the three year just went negative for the first time in mm-hmm. the history of the UK. So right. to me, that's that's like an indicator where I can say, oh, the bond market's telling me deflation's here. Like I I can, I can see it like it's a signal. Whereas the equity market, I no longer feel, and again, I'm not experienced in it. I think my experience is like 
two years of doing option trading in 2003 or four, and also two years of watching my Oracle shares go up to $80, $80 and come back yeah. down to like $14. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So my equity experience is not big, but, uh, and I had options at NetSuite. So I, I right, you know, right, I kind of right. like just different, different ways to, yeah. to look at it. But, uh, but the bond market, I feel like, oh, it actually kind of like shows you stuff where the equity market, I'm like, I don't know what the hell it's showing me. Yeah. And the equity market is the one that, uh, you know, if you look at it like, um, like a ball sports, soccer or whatever, you know what I mean? I, I, I liken the equity market to the offense and the bond market to the defense. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't care how good your offense is. If you have a bad defense, you're going to lose the game. Right. So the bond market is usually where the smart, the smart people go. The real it seems math that way. It really the math seems wizards, that way. Yeah. Right. Agreed. So AKA why I'm not there. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause mm-hmm. I'm not like some math genius. Mm-hmm. Right. The equity market, um, you know, I find at least from my dealings in the equities market, you know, there's some really smart people there, but there's also some people that just have, you know, big kahunas. Yeah. I was going to say a knack for it. Yeah. But they're, they're also willing to take the risk mm. and they make some good money in the equity market. But when I'm looking at the market in, in total, being realistic, right? Nobody really knows what the hell's going on, right? So nothing is really behaving in the traditional textbook sense because really we're not in a traditional textbook uh, situation, right? So, uh, you know, right now we're looking at an equity market that got hit very hard uh, earlier on in the year. Okay. And then somehow for no apparent reason rebounded. <laughs> well, I know the, I know the apparent reason. Yeah. The, the bank of Canada on, on, on our, on Canada.ca. Yeah. Bank of Canada said they're playing in our markets. They didn't come right. out and say which markets, but it was very broad, broad brush. Right. They're playing in the, and the fed. I still think unless it just passed, I think the fed started buying some ETFs. I don't know if it was directly or through one of their primary dealers, but the Fed, I know, couldn't go directly into their equity markets. It was actually illegal for them. And I can't remember if that just changed or what. Um, but I just feel like the equity markets just get first access to any central bank money. And that's what distorts any signals that come out of it because it's not telling me the truth. It's a manipulated... And I'm not saying it's not good. I'm not saying you shouldn't even play in it. I just mean it's so manipulated. I feel like you and I are looking at the equity markets in an era of the last decade where... The, the distortion of it has just increased. So it's harder to, to really make any sense of it. And I think it's always been very confusing and it's always been volatile, right? Um, so when you look at, the, let's go back to like the Fed or what central banks and so on and so forth, right? What are the two big things that they can do, right? They can drop interest rates, but once interest rates start hovering around zero, which they are now, that, that policy, that, that sort of tool in their toolbox is gone. So then what do they do? What do they do? Right? They buy securities. Okay? They buy back bond. They buy bonds, right? And they put liquidity into the market in the hopes that they're putting liquidity into the right people's pockets mm-hmm. so that they'll go out and stimulate the economy. Right? Then what are the other things that they can do? You know, governments can print money or print money. They can print checks and give, you know, transfer payments to people, right? So you got the care program in the US, you got CRB and you know, all these other programs here in Canada. <laughs> we have so right? many programs, you and I can't even list them all off anymore. Exactly. <laughs> there's exactly. so many checks flying around. But, but the idea is... I shouldn't laugh. Like, there's serious stuff going on. So please, if you're listening no, no, to this, yeah, I'm yeah. not laughing to dismiss any of this. I'm course, laughing yeah. at the it's uh, the absurdity of the economic situation right. that we're in. Yeah, and, and that's, that's what they're going to do. So 
when you have an economy that's in a situation like this, and you know, neither of us are economists, but we do pay attention to the economy. You have to, if you, you want to, to, for your own yeah. family and your own self, you exactly. have to. The way I look at it is, is this. We have a systemic, a, a systemic problem right now, okay? And, and how do I liken it? Let's say we go to a patient in a hospital, all right? Patient in a hospital, you got a tumor in your leg or your arm. Right? The tumor in your leg or arm, that's no problem. You can cut that out. As soon as that tumor metastasizes, this is when we have a, a systemic problem and the patient needs some sort of systemic solution, okay? So if it were just um, the fact that there's this COVID thing, mm -hmm. this isn't the, that big, I mean, it's a huge problem, but it, it's isolated to that, okay? The problem that we're having, I think, um, is that we're at the tail end of a bull run economy, okay? That has recovered heavily because of quantitative easing, because of lowered interest rates, because of all these programs that the, the Obama administration put together, okay? We're at the tail end of Whoa, that. Oh, just threw Obama under the bus and you didn't yeah. go for anyone else. <laughs> okay. All right. We, we, we're at the tail end of that cycle, which is a natural cycle in the economy. And what happens at the tail end of that cycle? We're going to get a recession anyways. Mm -hmm. Maybe it wasn't going to happen this year, but it was going to happen. Okay. So when we hit the tail end of that uh, cycle in the economy, now you also throw in this. Now, not only are we getting a cold, we're, we have we have cancer and diabetes at the same time, right? This is what this is what I is confusing me about the equity market right now because there's certain things like you know there's certain indicators that are traditional like an inverted uh, uh, yield, curve. yield curve. We got it quickly, but then it went away or whatever. And you know when we look at it all together, for sure there's going to be a recession. We're like, in a recession. Yeah, for sure. We're, we're, yeah, yeah, we're in it. Like, for, we like, we're, we're there. Yes, we're there, yeah. right? It, it's a matter of how long is it going to take to, to recover? Mm -hmm. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. And now we have this new layer of complexity, which is essentially a natural disaster. Okay, so th this, this, this COVID, uh, this is an essentially a natural disaster where it shuts economic activity completely. Right? So if you think about an area, a physical area that will have a natural disaster, an earthquake or whatever it is, all economic activity shuts down. Mm -hmm. Then the remaining portions of the nation or whatever come together they, and they rebuild and they actually come back pretty strong. Okay, But we have a very systemic uh, issue here where everybody has shut down except for the Swedes. For some reason, they're going to restaurants. I don't know what it, what it is that they're doing over there. But I haven't looked at the latest data, yeah. but I think they pulled it off fairly decently. I, I think they yeah. pulled it off. I don't know. By don't hold me to that. Knows, right? yeah. So um, we need a, a, an entire systemic solution, which I, I'm not qualified to to comment on. But and I, I think th you're getting to the crux <clears> of the problem. I mean. There's different monetary systems have their ups and downs. And it feels to me that we're not only at the end of a bull, bull run, we're at the end of a functioning, functioning monetary system that, you know, started, you can argue it started a hundred years ago. You can argue that it started with the Bretton Woods Act of 1944. You can argue that when they took off the gold backing of the U.S. dollar in 1971, things like there's all these different things that have happened over the last 100 years. But I think we're witnessing, if I was to guess, the end of an era. Like, I, I really feel that the problems are so systemic at this point that there is so much debt in the system. There is so much zombification of corporations that don't deserve funding but are being kept alive in the name of too big to fail. I don't understand um, how we get out of this 
in any good way. Because unless we let some of this stuff die off from the current system, I don't understand where the growth comes from next. Like, I don't understand like the next wave of growth because everyone's like, I, and you correct me if I'm wrong because you're going to understand the terminology better than I will. I, I, I am referring to this as like a balance sheet recession. And what I mean by that is that the, a lot of the world is heavily indebted. And that if, if, I, if that's me, if that's my personal situation and Fab, you give me money to like stimulate me, but I, and I get money from you. And then I, I, but I look around at the world and I'm like, well, holy shit, I'm not going to spend this money right now. Cause I don't know if next month's going to be worse. I'm not going to put that money into the economy, which the economy needs for the velocity of the, of the money to circulate. I'm going to pay off my debt. And when I pay off debt in a debt based monetary system, I'm actually extinguishing money because when I pay off money at the source, at the bank level, I'm actually destroying that money from the system which is technically making the entire economy smaller. And, and, and again, Fab, I'm throwing, like I am, I'm not, I'm not, I'm yeah. not, I'm not trying to say any of this is true, but I'm, I'm just, yeah, it, it, this is my own brainstorming. Yeah, I'm like, your thoughts, right? I don't understand how we come out of this. Where do, what do you think are like, what, what's our next step here? Slow well, growth, like muddling slow growth. Forever. <laughs> I mean, what do I tell my clients? Yeah. When I'm managing, when, yeah. when I'm when I have yeah. uh, their assets under under my administration, right? I say, hey guys, <coughs> excuse me. Are we going to need diapers tomorrow? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are Are we going to need a place to live? Yeah. Right. We're going to get a slowdown, but humans are resilient. We're not going to just sit there and do nothing. We're going to figure out a way to make it work. Right. So where are we going to get growth? Where are we going to, let, let's, let's even rewind it further back. You know, you mentioned a couple of different dates, you know, like, you know, the seventies when they got off the gold standard, whatever it is, but what the heck is money? Money is a fictitious thing. It's a concept that we agree on. Okay. So you see a lot of people that be like, Hey, you know, I don't believe in religion. Other people, I do believe in religion. I, I don't believe in God. I do right? All of these concepts, they're the same. Money is the same. It's the same thing. It's you and me, you and me coming to an agreement that a couple of, you know, zeros and ones floating around in a data center are worth something. And it's worth you hiring me to prepare a tax return or to manage your zeros and ones and me hiring you to go find a physical place for me to live. It's a fictitious agreement which means we can create more fictitious agreements or less fictitious agreements. So what is the economy? The economy is people getting up and working and that's what we need to be able to do. So without getting super complicated, right? You know, we can get a, you know, a, a brainiac PhD economist in here to explain things to us. And it'll be really, really fun to talk to this person. But the way I look at it is if people are working and people are exchanging, we got an economy and it's going. And where's the growth going to come from? There's plenty of growth. There's plenty of potential for growth. Not everybody is rich, but everybody wants to be rich. So th- these people all want to grow. They're going to f- try to figure out a way to do it, right? We have an entire continent that's, in my opinion, being overlooked by a lot of people, the continent of Africa. These people, they're ready to work. They're ready to modernize Africa. They're going to increase their, their output. They're going to increase their efficiency. They're going to increase their technology. And you already have China, uh, you know, 
setting up manufacturing there. You have a lot of people, a lot of governments setting up manufacturing and other investments in Africa. So there's tons of area for growth. We're just not going to get it right now. Okay. Right now is not the time to be talking about growth. Right now, I think everybody's, the people that are actually controlling the, the situation. To hide? I'm joking. No, I'm totally joking. I'm totally joking. <laughs> well, right, right now is I'm the joking. time, right now is the time to, to realistically take a step back and yeah. say, okay, exactly what I did, exactly what a lot of my clients did, right? So my clients came to me, right? And I'm dealing with things on, I, I'm an interesting, uh, in an interesting position because I'm dealing with so many entrepreneurs, but I'm also dealing with a ton of retirees who are living off their money. And I'm like, hey, hey let's take a look at it, right? Say the market tanks, goes down 50%, okay? You look to history, it's always going to come back up, all right? It always goes back up, okay? So if you've got a couple years of cash saved up, that hasn't fluctuated, it's cash, right? You're going to live off of it. You have plenty of time to get to recuperate in the equity market, right? You also have plenty of time to recuperate on any other assets that have dropped as well. What's happening here is that the same principles of investment and the same principles of financial planning always come back, always come back to haunt you, right? And it's the same principle. Are you living above your means? If you're living above your means, you're screwed no matter what's going on. Are you over leveraged? If you're over leveraged, you're screwed no matter what. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, right? So if you're going out there, right, and you're in the same business as me, like Rockstar, it's the same business, different asset, a different asset class, right? If you look at a, what, what it is that somebody wants to invest in a property, strip away everything else, you know, strip away the leverage, all right? You're buying a piece of property, you're putting in a tenant, and it's generating a future revenue, okay? And then a potential capital gain down the road or an increase in the value of the underlying asset. So all you're doing is you're paying what you think is the discounted value for today. Then you layer on some leverage and you layer on some strategy, and that's how you get an out, you know, you, you build alpha, like you do something better than what the normal market would do, right? Equities, right? It's the same thing. You're buying a business. You're buying this business and you're looking for either a dividend stream plus growth in the business, right? So what happens? You're looking at something like Apple, right? Apple, you're not really looking for a dividend. You're looking for them to grow. You're looking for them to use the cash to acquire smaller, you know, some other particular companies, merge them in, cut costs, do things more efficiently, so on and so forth, right? So is all this going to come to an end? No, I don't think it's going to come to an end. We're going to figure it out. We're going to figure out a better way to do it, right? If we got to stay, we got to stay apart from each other. We got to wear masks. Perfect. I got a buddy. <laughs> as soon as this hit, this guy started selling millions of masks, millions of, of these, what, 95, yeah. whatever, K95. Yeah. N95, uh, I think. N95 yeah, masks. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's, he had a source? Right away. He, he had a source in China, right? Boom. Selling them, he's selling them all over to, to even to like government uh, um, agencies in uh, South America and stuff. Like he just wow, he has connections, yeah, right? Yeah. So it's like, you know, he runs he runs gyms like workout gyms. They're all closed, but he's still making money on something else, right? So I think the way you said that is we're so good. Like the the economy is people creating goods, selling goods, services. It's not the money that yeah. we're agreeing on. The money is 
hopefully some store of value, not just a medium of exchange, but that's a separate discussion for right now. Yeah, yeah. But, but, but you're right. The economy isn't the money. The economy is what's Fab doing as a service? Exactly. What's Tom producing? What are you producing? And that isn't going to go away. Yeah, you're right. you're absolutely right, and I think if we all focus on that, it does give you that sense of hope. So, yeah. so that is a good way to put it, and it's what I try to share with a lot of people that that's the value in your life, your ability to produce, whether it's a service or a good. It's not so much the money that you have in the bank, although. It, to be fair, like that's, you know, you need money to live day to day. I'm not saying you need money to go buy the burgers for the barbecue and that whole bit. I just mean your biggest safety measure, unless you're tired and you're looking at things a little differently, perhaps, is how are you participating in the economy and not hiding from it? Because if you can bring value to other people, you're always going to be okay. And I, I, I strongly believe that. You know, Fabs, if you are always going to bring good service to your clients, people are going to see value in that. And you're always going to be able to produce. So I like the way you said that, that that's, that's the real economy. Yeah, it's people, right? And, and to, further, to go further with what you were uh, just mentioning, yeah, it's not the, the dollars and cents in your bank account. That's doing nothing for anybody, right? But when, let's say, your clients will come or people that come to you, they want to do something with the money. They want to do something with their ability to to obtain leverage. That stimulates the economy. They're providing housing for people that otherwise could not afford housing, right? They're providing opportunities for people to move into an area, and they're being rewarded for that, right? So if you're putting your money to work, I'm still, nothing has changed. I'm still very boring when it comes to equity. I, I'm not allowed to mention oh, I thought that. you were going to say in general. Yeah, very, in general, oh, I'm no, so no, very boring, boring dude. Yeah. But when it comes to equities <laughs> or when it comes to investments, and nothing has changed over the last three, four months for me. My advice is always the same. And once again, I can't, I'm not allowed to talk product um, because regulation, but... Can you whisper it? I can whisper <laughs> it to your ear, yeah. But, you know, I'm still looking at, you know, these industry-leading stocks that are paying a dividend most for the most part. Um, some aren't because they're tech companies or whatever it is. You know, diversify across sectors, buy, hold live within your means. Do you get some of your guys into the bond market as well too? Yeah, or yeah, mostly? yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I get okay. into the bond market okay. usually with ETFs. Um, okay, Just to, to, to provide a hedge. Is that the easiest way for someone to get into the bond market, ETFs? I mean, the easiest way for someone to get into any market is ETFs. Yeah, got it. Okay. 100%. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's just I don't like, you know, picking individual bonds and then I have to create a ladder or whatever. Sure, yeah, it's got just it. a disaster, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? But, you know, you don't want to take Sit the little coupons out. Yeah, I used to exactly. work at the bank. <laughs> I used to work at the bank, and, and I'm like, "Here's the bond, yeah. and there's these little coupons coming." And I remember I was interest, young. Yeah. I didn't even know what was going on, and I'm selling bonds. Yeah. And like those yeah. Canada disaster. It was a disaster. disaster. I don't know how I was allowed yeah. to do that. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, and um, and for the most part, if somebody want, doesn't mind dealing with tenants and phys- putting a little bit a little bit of elbow grease into it, I'm like, hey, buy a rental property. Yeah, got it. You're rare then, yeah, that yeah. you're talking like both ways. Like usually somebody is 100%. so pro equities or so pro the bond market or so pro real estate. A little bit and, of everything, man. Yeah, and we think very similarly. Yeah, the only reason that we're not in the equity market is just we haven't dedicated to this. someone like you who studies it and stuff. We're just like, we got so deep into the real estate market. We felt we had you're a bit of a competitive advantage. Yeah. yeah. We're like, we actually understand this stuff. Yeah. Uh, or we thought we did. Yeah. And then it evolved. Um, what, so what about estate planning when it, when it comes to people, I guess, how do you, I don't really talk to many people who have any thoughts on estate planning. Usually it's dismissed. 
Do you, right. how, how do you talk about estate planning? What do you get people to think about when it comes to estate planning? There's a number of things. So let's let's um, let's define estate planning. Yeah. Right. So that uh, a Please lot of, a lot of listeners, define it for yeah, me. A lot of listeners <laughs> might not know what estate planning is. I don't, I don't know if is, I know right? what it is. So define it. So when you pass away, you leave an estate. Okay. AKA the value of all your assets minus the liabilities on those assets. Right. And what happens to that estate? Who does it go to? Right. Are you going to be taxed on that estate? Is your estate going going to be distributed according to your wishes or not? Or are you going to leave it to chance or AKA the laws of the province of Ontario, if you live in Ontario, so on and so forth. So your estate planning is, um, how do you plan before you pass away how your assets will be transferred to the next generation or transferred according to your your goals or your wishes that in a nutshell is what oh, estate planning is it sounds so boring to me but yeah it's so yeah. important so go on sorry keep yeah. going keep going so the estate planning you know involves lawyers life insurance agents accountants tax experts um, families so on and so forth so in a nutshell like uh, estate planning Especially when you have, uh, especially with the people that you guys are dealing with, people that by the time they pass away may have accumulated significant wealth, significant, you know, 10, 15, 20, so on, uh, rental properties. And they have this huge portfolio of rental properties. If they don't plan that transition, you're in for a big surprise, right? You're in for a big tax bill. You're in for... Uh, an estate that is going to be very difficult to distribute, right? So let's say you have, uh, you know, a, a typical rock star, um, somebody who's bought a couple properties. They've got their house. They've got some RRSPs. They've got uh, three rental properties. And they're like, okay, I'm going to stop at three. And just long-term buy, hold, I'm boring, whatever, okay? Those long-term buy, holds, and, and this is the thing that I always tell, I don't know if you guys say the same thing, right? But those long-term buy, hold properties, if you think about it, if they don't appreciate in value at all, and all you do is break even every year, you will quintuple your money in 25 years because you'll pay off that mortgage. The debt. Okay. So you're fine. Yeah, we never talk about it in that way, but yeah, totally. <laughs> but but yes. you, you will quintuple your money, mm-hmm. right? Then if it just doubles in value, it's your 10x. It's like, crazy. It's, it's crazy. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. I know. Right? So one of my clients who bought, I don't know, three or four properties back in the olden days, for, you know, for maybe like 10 bucks, a chocolate bar and a, a pecora, mm-hmm, right? Totally. A pecora, uh, being a, a, what do you call it? Uh, a sheep, right? On Christie Street, like around Christie Street in Toronto, right? This guy died with like four freaking properties. Jeez, fully mil- paid off? They've been paid off for years. Oh my gosh. Right? He was yeah, like yeah. 90, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, whatever, 97 years old. So, you know, was good estate planning done? Some some good estate planning was done, but it was kind of done at the last minute, right? So the idea is, how does that estate transfer, all right? Do your children want rental properties or do they just want money, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, so most from what I see, just want the money. Right. They and, ca- if they're not involved, because yeah. we see that in here, yeah. it just, cash me out, cash get me, me out. this money. Exactly, so yeah. what's the most effective way to get the money over there, right? But if they do want the properties, how are you going to pay the tax? Because when you pass away in Canada, there's a deemed disposition of your property at fair market value. So let's say you bought the property for you know half a million bucks. You die, it's worth five million bucks. You have a four point five million dollar capital gain, and the government wants their money right now. 
where are you going to get that money? Right. That's part of estate planning. And that's mm-hmm. where things. That's a, is that probate? No, no, no. That's no. different. This is tax. Income that's tax. tax. Income What's tax. probate tax? Probate is when you probate your will. You got pay, it. You Sorry. Pay yeah. The 1.5% done yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, uh, got it. You, you get it. That's okay. another tax. Okay. Yeah, that's another yeah, tax. Yeah, yeah. So everybody's there. Everybody's like, you're it. dead. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's like got in it. your in your pockets while you're you know mm-hmm. while you're in the grave, right? So everybody's trying to get the money, right? So how do you plan for this, right? And estate planning usually starts from the legal perspective. Like, okay, what are your wishes? Because the estate and the the way that your estate gets transferred out, it gets captured in your last will and testament, okay? But a person like me will come in and say. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, so this is what you conceivably want to do. We sit down, we talk to the kids, and they're like, look, I am interested in taking over these uh, these properties. Okay, that's great. How are you going to pay the $2 million of tax? Right? This is where you may want to start layering in some uh, life insurance, mm-hmm. for example. But that might not be possible because mom and dad might be a little bit too old. Too old, yeah. Right? Yeah. So then you might want to do an estate freeze. And and so I don't want to get into the technicalities. No, and for any, of, yeah. anyone listening to this, I am, I was kind of dismissing it a little bit, talking about boring, but Nick and I have both started doing this. Yeah. We have our life insurance policy for all these reasons. We are taking it seriously. So I don't want anyone yeah. listening to this thinking my laughter or anything yeah. means yeah, yeah. I don't think this is extremely valuable. It completely is. And we've done different insurance policies. I never thought I would have, I, uh, I don't even know, I have a whole booklet on what I bought. I think it's a whole life insurance policy. Most likely for a different whole life, yeah. estate planning yeah. because we sat down and did exactly what you're talking exactly. about. So I think this is hugely valuable. Yeah. And and as my, my clients get older and wealthier, it's become more of an issue because now it's like, okay, well, you know, what are we going to do? How are we going to get this money over? Right? How am I going to leave a legacy? You know, maybe they want to make a, a donation, so on and so forth. If you plan it now, then you don't have to deal with the mess in the future. So would the main ingredients then be things like a proper will? Yes. Uh, a proper insurance component, whole life, or some type of insurance. Usually all the state planning I've seen so far involves some type of insurance product. If I, needed. I, if, okay, so yeah. not always if needed. Okay, so a proper will, perhaps some um, insurance of mm-hmm. some sort. What would be the other main component someone should consider? Are, are those the two main ones? I mean, inter vivos transfers. Like, like what are those? Like transferring assets during your lifetime. Oh, got it. Right? Got it. Yeah, so, okay. have, so being proactive. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I having have like a uh, strategic plan that you're implementing now. Exactly. Yeah. Got it. Right? Okay. So if I'll give you an example. Let's say you have a property that has appreciated wildly. And it's inside of a corporation, right? You can implement steps to transfer that to the next generation if that's a good property and the children Got are it. involved with running it, right? If it's a keeper and it's worth 10, 15, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. dealing with uh, a client that their properties are, uh, each child is inheriting upwards of $100 million of property. Does this family need more children? Children? Yes. <laughs> they're looking to adopt. <laughs> and they're, they really like the name Tom. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But anyways, the long story short is, you know, you can implement strategies like, okay, you know, daughter wants to take the property. Got it. Son only wants money. Got it. How okay. do we, how do yeah, we yeah. work the leverage and so on and, and so and what forth? Would, what, I guess, I don't know if it's too detailed or not, but what would be one of the ways that if you are going to keep a property that you can transfer it down? Is that just some, is that different shares that you're selling of a corporation that owns that property? Mm-hmm. Could you just give a general? Is, yeah. or is, it, is it too complicated to even give a general oh, No, I can give you a general one. Let's say the, the easiest one is the property sitting in a corporation, mm-hmm. right? The property was bought for 500000 It's now worth $5 million. The children are very interested in 
having this property, okay? Mom and dad own the shares of the corporation. We can do something called an estate freeze, where you elect under Section 86 of the Income Tax Act and freeze the value of those shares, okay? So you go to the lawyer, they file articles of amendment, they create a new class of freeze shares, right? We, we take mom and dad's common shares, convert them to freeze shares, right? Or these pref shares, all right? Those pref shares never change in value. They stay at $5 million. We then issue new common shares for a hundred bucks and we give it to a family trust. We make the children the beneficiary of the family trust. All of the future growth of that property goes to the children. Okay. Does it still, does that solve, so that sounds great. Mm -hmm. Does that solve then at time of death, the tax still owed on what you've frozen? I guess then it does? No, it oh, doesn't. Okay. <laughs> so what you do is you go to step two. You say, okay, mom and dad are, um, you know, in their late 50s or, or early 60s. Okay. Mm -hmm. The chances of late 50, dude, I'm 47. Yeah. That doesn't sound too far away, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but whatever it is, however okay. yeah, old yeah, they yeah. are. Yeah. Okay. You, you, you know, it's pretty straightforward. You know, you can look up the actuarial tables and you'll see how, what the chances of them living sure. to, yeah, one yeah. of them living to age 90 or, or beyond is, right? And there's an interspousal transfer um, mechanism in the Income Tax Act that allows me to transfer to my spouse when I die uh, at tax, tax rollover, like free, tax-free. Sure. Yeah. Okay, so it's the second death we're worried about. So what we do is we say, okay, there's this $5 million, okay? Mom and dad are going to retire. All right, we're going to do something called a wasting freeze, where we're going to start redeeming those shares to mom and dad and making a deemed dividend every year. Got it. Okay. Okay. And we'll reduce that down to let's say three million by the time they die, which is going to trigger a capital gain of whatever one point five million or you know you, you get what I'm saying. Yep. They're going to owe yeah. whatever it is so seven hundred fifty so grand. So they're paying of, yeah. that tax as they go. Got so it. then inside the corporation, the corporation has, has a ton of, of retained earnings. Smart. We can okay. do a joint last to die mm -hmm. whole life yeah. policy on mom and dad Perfect. to cover to the cover tax the that hits the capital yeah. dividend account, comes out tax-free, pays the estate tax, everybody, boom, boom, boom. And that's it. Fab, from a philosophy degree, man, yeah. you got it together. There you go. That sounded pretty good. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's a nice strategy. Yeah, or, that's or, a very simple, so, okay. simple, but it never, in, it's never yeah, that it's, simple. You never can implement it perfectly like that. Yeah. But, but if you start with that basis, then you can work around the fringes exactly. and true up what you need to true exactly. up. Yeah, and the it. issues that I'm seeing with real estate investors is, you know, um, because there's pros and cons to using a corporation. Sure. Right. Yeah. There's pros and cons. Her, yeah. And then sometimes you end up with people that have a bunch of properties that are sitting outside of a corporation. Mm -hmm. Okay. So how do we work that? Do we roll it into a corporation and pay the mm -hmm. land transfer tax pay, I know. to initiate the, the state freeze? Yeah. It's a difficult calculation. And usually calculation. every real estate investor is going to have that situation because usually you start off personally, then you're like, oh, I'm going to get a few more. Let me incorporate. And you usually don't start off with corporations because the financing from the Canadian banks is really conducive. So you start off and it's like, ugh. Right. So you do need this type of guidance. This is very valuable yeah. what you're doing. Yeah. So, and, and like I said, as I get older, you know, um, how old are you now? I'm going to be 43 in a couple oh, yeah, months. You're ancient, yeah. dude. I'm so old. Yeah. <laughs> so, old. but sorry, go on. As you get older, <laughs> but as I get older and my clients get older, right? What happens? They start thinking about this stuff. Totally. Yeah. Right? yeah. So that's why naturally you know, I've, I've progressed to doing more. So your planning. clients with you and John Paul McDonald, yeah. uh, you guys do, but you're doing accounting, but then you're doing some estate planning. Do you kind of divide and conquer? He handles some of the accounting stuff. You do some of the estate or no. You guys both do, do it both? I know you have staff as well. Yeah. I mean, primarily the estate planning is me. Is it? Okay. Yeah. Because okay, it, it involves like 
you know, it involves tax, but mm-hmm. it also involves my other training, like financial planning and life insurance and, mm-hmm. Got and it. that kind of stuff. So primarily estate planning and obviously any like asset management, that, that kind of stuff. Um, investment advisory uh, is me. And then really like John Paul and his wife, Andrea, will handle um, investment in real estate because yeah, that's just it. not my, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I know it conceptually, but I mm-hmm. would not I would not be able to pick a, a good property or anything yeah. like that. Yeah, we're to the point, I think I can close my eyes. I can touch a building. You tell and me what know, city. Yeah, yeah. Uh, tell me what city I'm in. And it's it's sometimes, it can be frustrating almost when you're helping people with real estate because you're because they're rightfully so concerned. A new investor is so concerned course, about details. Yeah. And it's t- I was like that too. But then as you, after you have so much experience and you yeah. know, to your point, if it never appreciates and you just pay off the debt, you're going to quintuple your money. When you know yeah. all this stuff and you re, you, know, you know, you've been in it for a few years, yeah. you're like, listen, tell me the purchase price. Tell me what city I'm in. And yes, buy. Yeah. <laughs> But, but if yeah. you do it that quickly with someone, yeah. you're dismissed as not caring or really not having their yeah. best interest in mind. So you never want to be that way. Yeah. But that's the point Nick and I got to. I don't know how many years ago. We're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this, this works. Just proceed. Just do it. Just do it. Yeah. Also, and I think in our, you know, like you in your industry, we really care about people we work with. So we would never intentionally steer them in any incorrect way because we want to be there at helping them in all capacities through the lifetime ownership of this thing. So we don't take that decision lightly either. Do you know what I mean? So even though yeah. we might make our decision rather quickly, we're not taking it lightly. If, well, if you're acting as a fiduciary, right? We really are trying. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. hundred yeah. percent. I mean, like I've seen a lot of like, especially you know, investment advisors, real estate advisors, they really, some, some of these people really put the douche in fiduciary, right? But <laughs> I, I remember when Nick and I bought one of our first properties, the real estate guy shook our hand he, as he was walking away. He goes, good luck guys. Real estate never goes down. And he just walked and he just, yeah. 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 And he just walked away. Right. He didn't know already by that point, we had already known our family almost lost everything in real yeah, estate in yeah, yeah, 1990. It's like etched into my yeah, brain. Yeah. Right. So him, when he said those words walking away, I immediately thought we got screwed. I was like, Oh shit. What if we purchase? This guy just screwed us. Yeah, buyer's remorse. <laughs> so right? immediate buyer's remorse when yeah. he said that comment. But yeah. uh, that's cool. So, yeah. and then um, I don't want to cut you off about the state planning, but yeah, I think yeah. we covered. We've covered enough. Yeah, yeah we covered we're it. just going to get technical after Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's really cool. Um, and then what about, last thing I wanted to bug you about before yeah. we kind of wrap up here. Yeah. Uh, right now at this time with some of the businesses you're advising, right. are you, because I well, you know, are you telling people to stay a little more cash rich than they have a little more liquid than they have before? What are you, you know, what are you seeing? What kind of, right. I don't even know if it's advice I'm asking for, just what observations are you making that people are, are, are doing right now? So it, it all depends on the industry. So I have a constituency of clients, hair salons, restaurants, nightclubs, things like that. Nightclubs. They're I just thought about nightclubs. They're, they're done. Like Jeez. they're not working. They're not open yeah, yeah. nightclubs like, they're panicking yeah. right because a lot of these a lot of these are well, the restaurants at least could do takeout nightclubs i mean restaurants doing takeout sometimes it's it's more profitable to just shut down no no i get it i get it yeah yeah. when you're if you're going to do 30 percent of your business but your expenses are 50 you're still short right. 20 right you know and if your yeah. margins are what in the restaurant industry what are they six seven i don't know i'm guessing they're really low yeah three very five low. six yeah. it's not gonna they're hand it. to mouth yeah, they're yeah, they're, yeah, they're yeah. literally hand to mouth so these industries are in are, are they're they're in trouble. Dentists, dentists are in trouble mm-hmm. because they you know they they cannot work. Or mm-hmm. the suggestion by the college is to not work, right? Unless it's emergency. So um, and what you would other I have a lot of physicians, 
and you would think that um, emergency rooms are overflowing. No, they're no. not. They're at 50% capacity. Right as this was happening, I had to go by our family doctor's office. Mm -hmm. Empty. Yeah. Empty crickets yeah. were in there. Exactly. So everybody's, nobody's escaped this. Everybody's hit. Um, we're busy only because there's a deadline to file. And, you know, it, we're just, we just have to be one of the few industries that's busy. Okay. Yeah. You're a servant of the government collecting all our taxes. Exactly. Fab. So thank exactly. you for doing what you <laughs> <laughs> But everybody's hit. Yeah. Um, now, um, what advice am I giving? It's very hard to say. It's hard to even create buckets of mm -hmm. advice. Yeah, it's, it. it's individualized. If you are an IT consultant working for the banks and your contract got cut, it's really go on to ERB and do not spend any money right mm -hmm. now. Okay. Mm -hmm. You cut. see Air Canada is going to let go. I think it's 20,000. At first they said they were keeping all 36,000. Now I think they're cutting or, or asking uh, the wording I think is that they're going to ask, they're going to try and eliminate 20,000. Right. And they're going to ask some people to take a two-year leave or they're doing it all in weird and wonderful ways. If they do not go bankrupt, I will be, yeah. You I'll think, be very yeah. surprised. Air Canada, I, I feel like, goes bankrupt. Yeah, I mean, every, every, like, five or six years. <laughs> they, feel, but yeah. no, but it's a valid, totally. Like, no, it is valid. I mean, the, the advice that I can give people right now, looking at it, because, I, you know, once again, I'm talking to hundreds and hundreds of people in many different situations, is come back to basic principles of financial planning, okay? Are you, are you overspending? Are you spending money on things that you do not need? Okay. These things that you do not need, are they actually giving you pleasure? Okay. Start eliminating the things that you, you know, stupid things that add up, you know, uh, a YouTube premium, it's like 10 bucks a month, but 10 bucks a month for that. Then the Microsoft 365 that you don't need the upgraded one, 20 bucks a month. You add these things up, you might find 500 bucks a month for yourself. Okay. Watch your money, watch it come in, watch it go out. Live within your means, okay? If you're going to leverage to do something, leverage to make a proper investment. Leverage to make an investment that's going to give you cash flow that will cover the leverage, right? Don't over leverage yourself. It's, it always comes back to basic principles. If you do that, you're going to be fine. You do not, and you guys preach it, and, and I've seen it a million times. You don't need to be raking in a ton of cash to become rich. You really don't. You just have to be smart with your money and make the right investments, I think that's well said. It, it is really, that is, we are at a time where it's just the basics, man. It's basics. just the just basics. Go back to basics. Yeah. yeah. Fab, we're going to wrap this up, man. So yeah, if man. anyone wants to reach out to you because yep. they want some jujitsu lessons yeah. or they want to file taxes or they want right. to, I think really the estate planning stuff, it's, it's a nice combo that you guys have because you're right. doing the tax stuff and the estate planning. Mm -hmm. It's a rare combo. I haven't, you know, Nick and I have talked to a lot of people on this mm -hmm. stuff and we don't meet people that are handling both aspects the way you guys are. And I'm sure they exist, but we just haven't come across many of them. Um, how do people find you? What's the best way? Website, your uh, email, whatever you want to hand out. Yeah, man. The best is uh, go to the website, cmllp.com and uh, all the information's there. CMLLP.com. You got it. Okay, cool. And if you're listening to this, you can go to rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash podcast. And on the link for this particular episode, we will have that URL there for you as well. Perfect. Um, and uh, Fab, that's it, man. I really appreciate this. I'm going to bring you, I want to talk more because I want to talk to you about some RRSP yep. stuff and my thought on taxes going forward. And if people have RRSPs now, because yeah, yeah. I see the government apparently spending a lot of money. I don't know what our tax rate's going to be in the future. And I've had a lot of <laughs> thoughts on this for yeah. 10 years. And now yeah. I want to talk about all this stuff yeah um so that a whole bunch of other stuff but okay, really man. appreciate this man thank you i appreciate anytime you. anytime yeah. awesome thanks
Hey everyone, it's Tom Kratz again. So hopefully you enjoyed that chat with Fabio. Good guy. I had no idea he knew some jujitsu and had some kickboxing background and then lived in Italy for whatever he said. About a year was what he had in his recollection. So uh, good guy. I love the estate planning uh, talk. We're going to be doing more of that throughout the podcast as we find people who have this type of knowledge. If you want to reach out to them, his URL again, I'm just going to repeat it if you missed it. It's cmllp.com. So that's c mllp.com or if you just google up campanella mcdonald you will find their website so that's cmllp.com and if you're listening to this and you want more real estate investing information you can always check out different books that we offer different reports that we offer blog posts videos pretty much everything that we can offer at www.rockstarinnercircle.com that's www.rockstarinnercircle.com until next time Your life, your terms.